Hey guys, and welcome back to another episode of Portrait Session here on the Improved Photography Podcast. I am Erica Kay, and I'm joined today by Connor Hibbs. Connor, how are you? I'm doing really well, Erica. How are you doing? I am great as well. It's been a busy few months um, for both of us, right? Oh yeah, definitely so. You've had a lot of cool stuff going on. I saw your your post this morning about your um, magazine cover feature. That's awesome. Yeah, I, I mean, any any kind of publication, no matter how big or small, is kind of an exciting deal. And in this I instance, I got a cover, which is pretty cool. That is pretty cool. Congratulations on that. Thank you. All right. Well, today we are actually going kind of doing a blast from the past here because I feel like it's been a <laughs> long time since we've done this. But we. Heck yeah. Yeah, we posted yesterday in the Improved Photography Podcast Facebook group asking for some listener questions. So we have uh, maybe like 10 or so questions here that we're going to answer today, ranging from business questions to portrait related questions and kind of everything in between. So the first question we have here is from Andrea. She says that she's moving from the Central Coast to the Bay Area. She's looking for tips or advice for wedding photographers like her in starting or transferring her business to a new city. Connor, do you have any experience with that at all? Thankfully, I don't. Um, I don't The either. last time that I moved from one city to another was um, right towards the beginning of me not even considering photography a career, just getting into it seriously. Mm-hmm. Um, and I moved back to a city where I knew a bunch of people, so that made my life really easy. Um, uh, this one gave me a bit to chew on and think about because, <laughs> man, that's that's going to be a rough move one way or the other. Um, yeah. My my points would just be make sure that you're focusing on your marketing, um, mm-hmm. and it's I I am becoming more and more an advocate of social media marketing, uh, particularly sure. pertaining to to Facebook. Um, so I I would honestly it just depends on how much time do you have between being where you are now and where you're moving. Is this next week or is this six months from now? Um, I would say the more time, the better, because that allows you to start marketing ahead of time. So once you get there, you already have some interest and buzz going around your business. Um, yeah, I think that's a great tip. Do not wait until you get there to start marketing yourself. You want to start making these adjustments slowly as you're making the move or as you're kind of leading up to making the move. So yeah. start posting about it on social media. Start reworking your SEO on your website to include the keywords specific for the Bay Area. So instead of... Um, I'm not sure where you are right now, but for example, instead of me putting Columbus, Ohio wedding photographer, I would start moving the SEO on my website toward San Francisco wedding photographer or something like that. So really start working on those things to transfer all of that information over to the Bay Area so that when you get there, you already have that presence established for yourself. Definitely so. And uh, I mean, I would say it's also really important to not just market, but um, don't just market the way that you've always been marketing. If you have been, um, start paying attention to the ways that the demographics in your new area are going to change. This is the Bay Area. Mm -hmm. They're tech. There's a lot of money there. um, And you will probably need to market in a different fashion because this demographic is going to be different than the one that you have been marketing to currently, more than likely. Yeah, for sure. And another way to kind of get yourself in is to start forming relationships with other photographers or other vendors in the Bay Area. So join the San Francisco Tuesdays Together group and start, you know, introduce yourself and start building relationships with the other people in 
in that group so that you can establish a name for yourself among other vendors in that area that'll help you to get second shooting jobs or you know network ref- um, networking and referrals from other photographers or other wedding vendors so establishing yourself as a vendor in um, not only to potential clients but to the other vendors in that area will be really helpful as well definitely so Awesome. Okay. Well, Andrea, good luck with that move. I'd love to hear how everything goes for you. So don't hesitate to, you know, post in the group and tag us in it so that we can have an update on how everything works out for you. I agree okay. With our, that. our next question is from Justin. Uh, he is asking about how much professional photographers can expect to earn. He says he knows that is a little bit like asking how long a piece of string is, <laughs> which is true. Uh, but he never really hears pros mentioning how much they make. And he specifically is as pointing at me <laughs> with that question uh, probably because you've talked to him a lot right Connor yeah yeah I've, I've talked to him a bit here and there um, so I, I've opened up with him privately about how much I make but I, I can do that here as well mm-hmm. it's uh, really difficult this this is a really hard question because there are so many different factors that go into how much of professional makes it depends on where you're located you know what your market is for for where you're working primarily it depends on how experienced you are how good you are how much you're working what types of things you're photographing are you photographing families or weddings or commercial photography it just depends on so many different things so it's really a hard a really hard question to answer (laughs) yeah you know one thing that wasn't specified here but because this is portrait session i would say um trying to to narrow this down to people photography um, can maybe help develop a little bit more of an understanding because you have a a few general categories that you can work in Uh, you you have boudoir babies children um, families weddings and commercial areas but Man, it really is like asking how long a piece of string is. I really yeah. like that, that phrase. Analogy, um, yeah. I, I, and I think that a lot of it has to do with the hustle that you have in your business. Mm-hmm. If you're marketing well, um, I, I don't care if you're charging $20 for a session or $20,000 for a session. If you market really well and you understand the demographic that you're trying to appeal to and your look is something that that market is going to be interested in there. You're going to find people that are going to buy you or pay for you. You you can see top commercial photographers in the industry making between 20,000 and a hundred thousand dollars as a day rate. Mm -hmm. And they will work three times a year at that day rate. Or you can see shoot and burn photographers that are charging a hundred dollars a session. And I mean, they're, they're burning themselves silly, but you could probably, potentially if you have decent enough marketing make a good living even being a shoot and burn photographer um i i think more than anything this comes down to what are your goals as a photographer where where would you like your money to be especially a lot of the people listening to this show i know are either trying to make this a side job or if they are trying to go full-time are already making a certain amount of money at their day job so i think a good place to start is saying whatever your day job is try and make that at, with photography as well because that is a good goal to start with however if you're if you feel like you're struggling with the money that you are currently making in your day job and you would like to make more and that's part of why you picked up photography then set a goal that's higher and then set up a business model that is going to allow you to make that much so absolutely yeah you kind of have to, time oh go ahead oh go 
well, I was going to say, you kind of have to work backwards with it. You have to sit down and and do your own personal budget and figure out, you know, how how much do you need each month to survive? And yeah. then, you know, how much do you want each month to, you know, do the things that you want to do on top of the things that you have to do? And then from there, structure, structure your business kind of backwards from there. Figure out, okay, I know I need, let's say, $3,000 a month to, to live on. So from there, do I make the decision to be a shoot and burn photographer where I work a lot for a lower rate but have a lot of clients? Or do I want to be more of a sales type of photographer where I shoot less but make more because I'm focusing more on higher end products and things like that? So starting kind of from the bottom and then building your business based on, on your personal goals is a really smart move to kind of figure out you know, how much you should be pricing, how much you should be asking, and then how many sessions you need to shoot in order to make the amount of money that you need to, to live off of. Yeah, definitely. Like, so, so my, my personal disclosure on how much I've made this year, this has been my first year in business and uh, well, first year in business full time doing this. So my main concern was just making sure that I was going to make as much as I was making at my day job, which paid me, um, not great. And <laughs> you know what? I, because that was my goal. I think that I allowed myself to maybe be a little bit lazy in certain areas and just take more time to kind of focus my attention and find the thing that I really wanted my business to become. And during all of that, I already had a decent enough flow that I've, I, I, after taxes and business expenses and everything, I think that I'm probably only making a a bit over $30,000 this year, but that's actually better than what I was making in my day job. So I'm okay with that, especially because it's given me the opportunity to spend all of my days focusing on how I want to structure my business in the future. And if I'm being completely realistic in expectations for my business this next year, I think that I can quite easily with the things that I've been putting in place, I can easily double that and, and, that is my goal for this next year. Yeah, and that's another thing to take into consideration is that it fluctuates from year to year. You you could Definitely. have a really good busy year and then the next year only do half of what you did last year. Um, and that's kind of been the case for me because this year I only did about half of the weddings that I normally do. I usually do about 30 a year and this year I only did 15 because I was planning my own wedding and was supposed yeah. to have my own wedding. So I didn't want to... Uh, I didn't want to like, you know, be so busy that I couldn't even have time to, to work on my own wedding. So for my personal disclosure, last <laughs> year, which was one of those years where I did uh, 25 to 30 weddings or whatever, um, plus other work as well, I was starting to get more into kind of the production and the video side of things. So I, I made some additional money outside of just weddings. Um, last year, after taxes and everything, I m- made about 75000 This year, again, I did only half of the weddings that I usually do, and um, but I did more videos and things like that. So I think at the end of this year, I probably will maybe only make about 60000 Next year, I'm picking back up with the weddings and hoping to do about 20 or so next year. And then I have uh, several big production and video gigs in the works. So next year, I hope to make over six figures. And it just kind of, you know, it depends on your year. It depends on the season. It depends on what's happening in your region and your area. You know, each year, it just fluctuates so much. So for somebody to say, oh, I make this much every year, it just doesn't really seem possible to me it's going to be different every year it's not like we're getting a salary or anything like that 
Yeah, and and I I think again it just has to do with what you want to shoot and how you're going to shoot it. I think that part of the reason that uh, I didn't make nearly as much as I really could have this year was because I wasn't focusing super heavily on actually getting my marketing out there. I was more thinking long-term, okay, I knew that I had a certain number of regular clients and that word of mouth brought in a certain amount of money every month because I, I have been doing this for a few years to at least see that. So I, I didn't really push that. I was more looking at how can I differentiate my work from others in my area, which I don't feel like last year I was terribly different. Where this year I feel like I've really moved into an area that I have found a voice in my work that I like a lot. Mm-hmm. And then looking at that work, I, I can say, okay, well, I know the age range and I, I tend to appeal to women that are 25 to 30 with the work that I have. And I know that from just doing little bits of marketing testing here and there just to find which demographics are responding the most. And then I say, okay, well, I know how much money I want to make and I know how much money I would have to charge. And is that demographic going to even pay that much for what I want to make? And so that is actually started directing me even more towards the commercial side than what I was before. I was kind of wanting to split doing a little bit of commercial work with a little bit of um, retail type portrait work. And Mm -hmm. the more and more I look at it, I'm like, just the way that I want to shoot the the thing that's going to make me happy as a photographer is not going to pay out as well if I try and stay in retail. Um, And I don't think that I'm going to be able to make the money that I want. So the way that I shoot is actually changing the the structure of my business. And I think that that's not a bad thing because I've, I've taken this time, I've made a bit less money this year, but I think that that is going to benefit me in the long run because I know where I need to focus my attention now. Yeah. Yeah, that's a great point as well. Um, And that's kind of, you know, the whole going back to the whole fluctuation thing, you know, your first couple years in business, you're not going to do as much because you're trying to set up your business, you're trying to figure out what you want to shoot, what you want to focus on. Um, And once you kind of kind of establish all of that, then you can focus on just making as much money as you possibly can. Totally. And and I mean, I think that something to point out here is that because this is my first year really trying to do this full time at all um, and making this a serious, serious business, just not just like, oh, it's nice to have some side income. I mean, how many businesses do you know of that profit at all in a first in the year. first so, few years yeah so exactly. so this is my first year and i am sitting right where i was in my day job that was kind of my hopes for this year and you know while certain things have changed about the way that i am doing my business i i think that overall i'm exactly where i wanted to be just with a different focus than i was initially intending at the beginning mm-hmm. of the year well good for you connor that's that's awesome because like you said most businesses don't profit in the first year yeah. or even a couple of years. So yeah. you you definitely are on the right track. Definitely so. Awesome. Okay. Our next question is from Sheila. She says, I see some photographers who specialize in photographing families, kids, and babies use props. What is your take on using props? Also, do you recommend or advise clients on outfits, things like colors and patterns and things like that? Erica, do you do you have thoughts on this? 
Well, I don't do a ton of families and kids and babies and things. We do at yeah. the studio, but I have other photographers who do that. I don't really do that. Um, we do use some props, and really, it just depends on what the client wants. I am not. I'm not going to stand up here and say, "Oh my gosh, you should never use props. That's so cheesy. That's so awful." You do what your client is paying you to do. So one of the things that we do at the studio is we always have a consultation with the client beforehand and talk about what exactly they're wanting out of their photos. Are they just wanting, you know, like a, a plain backdrop with some pretty lights and that's it? Or do they want like a whole Christmas scene with props and trees and presents and all kinds of stuff? Yeah. Whatever it is that the client wants is what they're going to get. So you don't need to either say I'm never using props or I will always use props. You need to make that decision based on what it is that your client wants. And that's, you know, that should be your answer to every type of photography when you're thinking about how you want to style the or set the, the environment for their photos. Yeah, definitely. Um, I, I think that props, uh, in in one hand, thinking about families, kids and babies, thinking about the props that tend to go along with those sessions, definitely makes me cringe a little when I think about my own work <laughs> yeah. um, but I also don't shoot yeah because families, we don't do that yeah, yeah exactly you know if, if you want to be a newborn photographer I mean whether or not you're using fancy props you're going to need some like posing pillows and things like mm-hmm. that that are, are really useful for shooting babies and those are props um in my own work I I definitely do use props I mean the the, the past I've now done three um royal themed sessions with like really elaborate um dresses and whatnot and in those instances i've i've become a huge fan of um hand fans and having them hold that as a way to do something with their hands and i mean i would say that any kind of styling in general if it's outside of the regular wardrobe that they wear it, it it's not a physical thing that they're holding but that's kind of a prop as well so yeah, i'm not absolutely. i'm not opposed to it at all i think that um the use of props is can can really take a session that would be okay and put it way above um what it was and i think it also has the ability to look super cheesy so i think that uh, yeah you know if, if you're satisfying a client one way or the other then good for you that's that's all that really matters if it yeah. comes to sharing that work on social media i would maybe just consider what kind of props you want to use and how that's going to relate to a subject when i when i think props i think of um 90s studio portraits of like <laughs> backdrops that look like they were drawn on crayons and then handing two kids gigantic crayon piggy bank things so it looks like they've drawn all over the backdrop oh shucks and <laughs> and that's why i cringe but in reality i think that props are really useful and um you shouldn't steer away from them. You should just think about um, using them with intent and using them to actually benefit the story that you're trying to tell, not just making the props, the story itself. Absolutely. And that's the key is using them with intent. Like you said, I was just sitting here trying to think about the best way to, to say that. (laughs) And you, you said that you said it perfectly. You just have to make sure that you're not overdoing it and you're not just throwing in a bunch of crap just because you want it to look like a Christmas theme. So you need all the Christmas things in there. Don't do that. You need to, you know, make it look nice and clean and have a you know have the the design element to it or the sense of design to it not just like you you've thrown a bunch of stuff in there Um, as far as your question about advising clients about outfits and stuff yes my answer is yes I have a blog post that I wrote a couple years ago probably needs updated to be honest because I've just been using it for the past few years but it has it is so long and so detailed and it has a 
sample images about color combinations and sample images for different types of outfits that look good together. It talks about colors you should avoid, patterns you should avoid, all that kind of stuff. So it's really important to educate your clients on that kind of of thing because if you don't they could show up wearing like bright red shirts that reflect on their face or like teeny (laughs) tiny repeating patterns that cause distortion and crazy looking things in the photos you just want to avoid that clients don't know and you it's your job as a photographer to educate them so um, help them look their best and you can even do you can even go as far as offering to help them style their wardrobe if you want you know ask them to send photos just just cell phone pictures or whatever of the outfits that they're looking at so you can give them feedback on on what they're thinking of so help them any way you can so that they can look and feel their best in their photos and so that you can have photos that you're proud of absolutely and and i think that to a certain degree i mean saying no small patterns is just good advice for anyone and everyone um but then i like i have a tendency i like to advise people um, to only wear neutrals and to wear solids. And I, I tell people to wear things that look more elegant, but that's just because all of those things kind of fit in with the aesthetic that I try and create. Um, they mm-hmm. fit in with my brand and that makes it more likely that I'm going to want to share their work um, on social media. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it feels like me. And I figure if somebody's coming to me, I want to to set out certain guidelines. So to me, I don't even just say like, wear, wear whatever you want, but wear solids like i get pretty specific about the things that i tell people I and mean, I, I tell women to either have freshly painted nails or not come with nails um it, painted at all and and really i think that it can only help your brand to have certain things that you do and do not like if a, if a family comes to me and asks to do photos that are in i in plaid for example, I had I had a fall session where somebody wanted to do that with their family, and they want to be super matchy-matchy. I just advise them, you know, I don't love that personally, but if that's the look that you're going for, I can totally uh, support that, and I can give you opinions on ways that we can make that look good. And that was what they wanted, and that's what we shot. So don't completely discount somebody else's idea because that's the thing that they're telling you that they want, and they're paying you money. Um but if they're just coming to you and saying, hey, what should I wear? Have an idea of exactly what you want people to wear and be able to describe that well. Absolutely. All right, guys, we're going to take a quick break to hear from our sponsors and we'll be right back in just a second. This episode is sponsored by the Improve Photography Retreat 2018 in Charleston, South Carolina. From March 20 to 22, come join us with some of your favorite photographers from the Improve Photography Network, also other popular photographers, and learn all kinds of topics from landscape photography to portrait photography to post-processing and beginner topics as well. The fun thing about the Improve Photography Retreat is that it's all hands-on. We want to get you shooting and spending time behind the camera and send you home with a great portfolio of images. Check it out at improvephotography.com and click on retreat at the top of the page. Hey guys, we are back with more questions from our listeners. Our next question is coming from Frank and he is asking about portrait styles and the trends that we see every year. He says, seems like every year there's a different trend in portrait styles. One year everything is shot shot on a stark white background. Another year everything is high key. What do you do? Do you change your style with every trend or do you try to do a classic setup that will last and outlive trends or a combination of the two? Erica, do you want to start with this? I can. I like to think that I 
I do more of a classic look. I think I find myself sometimes looking at other photographers work like right now, the the dark and moody uh, thing is really on trend and I love it. I think mm-hmm. it's beautiful and I really, really love the look of it. But I know from experience that that's going to you know, not be trendy anymore, probably within the next year or two. And all those photos won't live up to the test of time. So I prefer to do more of a classic look. I do implement some of that um, kind of moody look in my work. I kind of like to say that my work is light and moody, which is kind of contradictory, but I do (laughs) like the really rich, deep colors, but I like enough uh, exposure so that my my couple or my clients aren't you know just completely dark so for me I think I do maybe a little bit of of both but more on the classic side because I want my photos to I want my wedding photos to look beautiful today and then 20 years from now Um, so I would recommend sticking with something that's a little more classic it's okay to get stylized and get more creative in your edits and things like that but make sure that you're not so you're not being so trendy that the photos are are not going to look nice and you know five years from now definitely so I, I think that there there is a point in which you need to decide whether or not you're doing something just because it's currently popular and it's selling and if it speaks to you as an artist and you feel like it's going to last um i'm sure 10 20 years from now looking at my work there are things that are going to appear dated um the thing that my my main goal here is that i'm okay with things looking somewhat dated because hairstyles change fashion styles change um but i don't want yeah i don't want to to look back at my work and see laser backgrounds or anything like that or like sepia just yeah just crazy marker of the time that's uh, when chalkboards were popular um going back to the prop thing when writing whatever it was on a chalkboard was super popular i resisted doing as much of that as i could because um i feel like that that is something that i noticed where i was like everybody's doing this and it's going to just scream 2015 or 2016 whenever that was Mm -hmm. um and and so there are certain trends where I just go, if it's going to be a huge flag for this work was made in whatever year, I'm trying to avoid that. In fact, um, on my website, I'm going to quote something that I have written on my main landing page verbatim. It says, as an artist, I believe it is crucial to focus my efforts on developing a unique style that stands up on its own instead of following the current trends in the industry and constantly changing it to fit them. Due to this fact, I'm happy to announce that I'm not just a guy with a camera and that my vision is not suitable for just anyone. I constantly strive to better serve those with an appreciation for my work and provide them with the highest quality imagery possible. That's that's the way that I feel said. about it. Thank you. I took forever to write that. I'm, I'm not that well worded without thinking it through a lot. Um, but I, I believe that doing uh, bending here and there to um, appeal to current trends is definitely an important thing. You don't want to just staunchly stand somewhere and say, nobody's buying this, but I like it. So that's what it's going to be forever. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, I think that if you go too much, I mean, just think of all of the images that were coming out of super light and airy stuff with glowing backgrounds 
um, that were shot in wheat fields or tall grass. I think that those are gorgeous images. Yeah. Um, but I can't think of a specific photographer that I've seen images from. I can think of tons of images that I've seen like that that I've loved, but I can't think of a brand that somebody has made based on that. And I, I, I try and think about that in my own work is what are things that are popular versus what are things that are going to be markers of my work? Um, yeah, I, I, that that thought kind of petered out there, but that's <laughs> no. But it, I mean, it made complete sense, and it's yeah. something that I think every photographer should ask themselves. And uh, it's it's easy to get caught up in what's trendy right now, and and try to adjust your shooting and your editing style to to match with those trends. But that's not always the best route to take because one, you may end up looking like everybody else, and two, your photos a couple years from now will will not probably be at the level that you would like them to be in terms of of still looking nice and still looking presentable um, in a portfolio. Yeah, and, and I think that part of it has to do with, um, I mean, whenever you follow trends, you're going to do really well as a business person. Um, mm-hmm. That can be really smart to do for your business. But um, I, I question whether or not that is the best thing to do for your clients. Um, it may be the thing that they want right now, but they they might also look back at it two years from now and go, man, that was really cheesy and everybody was doing it and I followed <laughs> yeah. along. So yeah. I, I think that as an artist, if, if this is an art form to you and you really want your work to speak and have, have some sort of signature, um, maybe ignoring trends a little bit can be a good thing. And I think that mm-hmm. if you want to... to f- really serve your clients the best you can and make sure that that service is something that lasts and has quality for years to come. Um, it, it might be good to also look at trends and say, okay, what is really actually just a great thing? And what is something that might date this a little bit too much? So I, I think having a balance there and just understanding why you're doing any of the changes that you're doing. And if you're going to follow trends, how far you're going to go with it. Um, it is something to consider. Absolutely. Okay, our next question is coming from Anand. I hope I pronounced that correctly. Please don't hate me if I didn't. <laughs> um, Anand is asking about what people receive as, as part of a session. So Anand says, do you deliver the digitals with print release as part of the session? It is a highly debated topic, though I would like to get your view on this. That is definitely a, a highly debated topic. And, you know, going back to what we were talking about when with Justin's question when he was asking about how much people make, it you can do either one and be successful. It just depends on, you know, how you want to operate your business and you know, how much money you want to make. In my opinion, people who don't automatically hand over all the digitals or as Connor was saying earlier, like a shoot and burn photographer, people who don't run their businesses that way typically make more money um, because they are charging more for the physical products and even the the extra digitals that they don't include in their collection. So they're up up charging on those things um, while on the front end generally charging a little bit less. People who give the digitals generally have a higher fee up front, but then they don't make any money on the back end. Um, so you can be successful e- either way. But it, it really just depends on your personal preference and, and what you want your business to look like. 
me personally, I, for my wedding clients, they get all the digitals. I don't yeah. withhold digitals for them. However, at my studio, for my portrait clients and things like that, I do the sales approach where they, they only get, depending on which collection they choose, they get a couple of digitals up front and then they have to purchase anything additional um, after the session is, is finished and they've seen the final product. So I do a little bit of both. <laughs> it just depends on yeah. what, what type of session and what type of client I'm working with. My my answer to this is I pretty much always give the digitals, um, but that's because that's the thing that people pay for. So I, I do a print sales up front and after the fact. Um, and with the purchase of any piece of wall art or album, um, I, I deliver all the digitals with a print release that allows them up to an eight by 10. So that, that print release is just a simple email that I send them that says, I'm Connor Hibbs. I give my permission for this client to print their photos up to an eight by 10 size, because at least here in Colorado, a lot of the Walmarts, Walgreens, Costco's and things like that. Um, they will not allow people to print anything unless they have a print release. Yep. And, same here in Ohio. Um, genuinely, I, I don't care about those small things. I mean, I, I can't really mark up an eight by 10 to anywhere where it's going to make it worth my while to sit down, take the time to place, like get the files ready to, to print, place the order, get them, go meet up with the family again for an eight by 10. I, I, I don't care. That's fine. It's, it's small amounts of money that I'm letting slip through my fingers and I'm really just fine with that. They have the potential if they can find a, a place that'll print it for them larger um, without that print release, they have the potential to print it larger, but that's, that's a risk that I've decided is worth taking in my business. I, I'm not too worried about that. And with that, I can also give them a little bit of it helps me to make the pitch of hey print quality is really important um only go to these places here is the reason why and then that allows me to then go further into that's why for larger canvases i really want to make sure that i have my hands on it because i know what i'm talking about with printing and that actually kind of helps me make the sales in that regard um my my smallest package that i have available is to buy digital copies of photos and it's it's only a web resolution that i sell and it's only the final retouch i don't i don't deliver all of the session or anything like that but that's because usually i'm doing headshot type stuff or or individual portraits things that are mostly just going to be shared on social media um and yeah that's that's my answer to that i think that delivering digitals not delivering digitals at all can potentially detriment you depending on how you have your business. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that a lot of people are asking for those. And as long as they understand what they're asking for and why they're asking for it, which comes to you to explain to them what they're getting and why they're getting what they are as they are. Um, so whether it's the small, small size prints or if it's just web resolution, um, whatever it may be, if you explain that to them, I think that you are then giving a client what they want and then still holding back a way to make money at the same time. Yeah, and, and I think that's a really important point. Like you can, uh, where was I going with this? <laughs> Lost it. Oh yeah, you have to, okay, got it. I'm ready. Okay. <laughs> you have to remember that most photographers, at least, you know, in the areas that I'm familiar with, most photographers are doing more of a shoot and burn model. So if a client, if you're not, if you're doing more of a sales approach, if a client comes to you and they see your prices, 
they might be a little scared and automatically go to the shoot and burn photographer because they know that while they may paying they may be paying just a little bit more upfront, they know that they're going to get everything, um, you know, because that is their that other photographer's model is the shoot and burn model. So if they're yeah. coming to you as a non shoot and burn photographer, you have to make sure in order to really get their business in order to book the client, you have to make sure that you are convincing them of the value of working with you. So you need to make sure that you're giving them a great customer service experience that they are going to be absolutely, you know, just wowed by. And then as well, you have to make sure that they understand the value of prints and the value of, of, of what you're doing for them in terms of not just customer service, but the printing and, and the, the other things that they're going to get outside of the digitals. So if you can really educate them on the value of the prints and the value of customer service and the value of this great experience that they're going to have for you, you'll, you can nail, you can, you know, lock down that client, but it's going to take more work because they're going to compare you to these other shoot and burn photographers and, and unless they understand the value of you and what you're offering, it's likely that they're going to go to the other photographer. So you have to do a little bit more work on the front end to kind of convince people to work with you, I believe. Um, yeah. But once you have that system in place and you and you have a good referral program in place and people are talking about how wonderful you are and how great their experience was and how good the product is and all that kind of stuff, then it will be an easier um, sale for you in terms of booking the client. Yeah, totally. Okay, we have time for one more question. And this, I know we didn't get to all the questions, but I really liked this question. So I wanted to make sure we answered this. This question is from Aaron Taylor, longtime listener. Um, he, this is kind of a personal question for both of us. He says, yeah. how have you both changed since you first began hosting Portrait Session? How has your photography evolved? How has your business changed? What would you say are the one or two most important things you've learned that you wish you knew at the beginning? These are great questions and super yeah. personal questions. <laughs> yeah, get ready for a long rant here because yeah, I'm sure right. it'll have a lot to say. Okay, go for it, Connor. Yeah. So how have I changed since since I first began hosting Portrait Session? Um, well, the, the most obvious thing is that it has given me a platform in which people understand that I actually do know what I'm talking about. And <laughs> so I, I get a lot more interaction from other photographers. I used to be a bit of a hermit when it came to the photography industry and, and interacting with others. I kind of was just so focused on making my own thing that I didn't really care what anyone else was making because I didn't want it to influence me too much or whatever reason I had at the time. And just being able to interact with everyone else has been an incredibly eye-opening experience because it shows me how many different ways something can be done. I mean, even, even in workshops um, during the early portions of air of times when when i'm setting up and i'm doing all the setup and just saying hey come in come in here and shoot the photos that everyone else ends up getting it's it's my lighting it's my model it's the poses that i would have a model do and it looks totally different and it just really makes me rethink the way that i shoot and pushes me to do things differently and try new things and i think that that has made me a significantly better photographer because of that um mm -hmm. i think that having having to vocalize and actually explain the way that I'm doing things has also made me given me the tool to think through um, 
thought experiments, essentially. Think through the ways I want to try new things before I've even done it, and I can think about what the results are going to be. So I think in that way, it's helped me to develop a style that I really feel like I have a solid voice now. And I think when I started hosting, I was pretty good as a photographer, but I didn't really know exactly what I wanted to do or where I was going, and I didn't have an aesthetic. I I, I think I knew what I wanted to shoot, but I didn't quite know how to do that. And I, I have since developed that largely in part to the fact that I have to explain what I'm doing to other people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's that was very similar to what I was going to say. Just by teaching and talking and explaining, you're analyzing your own process and your own habits and your own work, which makes you take a deeper look at what you're doing, right? So as I, over the past, how long have I been doing portrait sessions? Since the beginning. So I guess that's been like two and a half years or something. Is that has yeah. been that long? Some I don't know. However long it's, <laughs> it's been. been a while. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, at every time that I talk about my lighting setup, or I talk about posing, or I talk, you know, anything that I talk about in in relation to my work and what I do as a photographer, I am taking a deeper look at what it is that I actually do because I'm breaking down the process and breaking down my the steps and the habits and all the little things that I do. And every time I do that, I find something within that process that I want to experiment with or change or alter or whatever. So yeah, that has totally. allowed me to shoot differently, to think differently, to pose differently, to interact with clients differently because I'm constantly analyzing what it is that I'm doing because I talk about it so much. Before that, I would look at my work and I would think, oh yeah, I need to do this or whatever, but I was not thinking about it as deeply as I do as as I do now that I'm you know, a podcast host and a workshop instructor and a private yeah. instructor and all that kind of stuff. So doing this really has helped me um, critically analyze my work and and the not just the work that I produce, but the way that I work. Um, so that's definitely been helpful. and and it has really resulted in an evolution in my photography and my style and in my business as well. Definitely so. Um, let's say uh, the last question there was, what would you say are one or two important things you've learned that you wish you knew at the beginning? Um, The first one I'm a little worried to say uh, because I'm (laughs) worried that it's going to just uh, end up flooding me. But uh, something that I've learned from being on the teacher side of things is that pretty much any interaction that I have, that's a first interaction with a photographer. They are, they'll message me being like, I really hope that I'm not bothering you. Like, I just have this one question that I just can't find an answer to anywhere. Um, can you like, please take a moment. I'm so, and they seem really scared. And I've, I felt that way. I used to be really scared to talk to anybody that had any knowledge that was above me because I didn't want to appear stupid. Um, I didn't want to, to seem like a fool in one way or the other. And, um, something that I've learned and, I guess it's through my own interaction is that I, the the worst thing that's going to happen is that the person's not going to get back to you. There's sometimes where I'll get a question or something and I just don't have the time. It's not anything that I don't want to help the person, but I'll have to give a short answer or not get back to the person. But in general, usually people ask really good questions that make me think about things. And I found myself time and time again, writing long paragraphs and going, "Eh, I should probably charge people to do this or something because this is taking me a while. But I just really, I like helping people. And I've found that as I have seen myself doing that more, it has given me the courage to go out and ask people questions that I don't know an answer to without feeling like I'm 
afraid that I don't that I'm gonna appear like a fool. I'm asking a question because I don't know what it is. So that is an admittance mm-hmm. of ignorance to begin with. So I find that people are really gracious in that, and I think that um, that's something that more people should learn to do on both sides. I think that you should be more willing to give of yourself and of your mind. And if somebody wants help, even if you don't know for sure that this is a good answer, sometimes just saying, you know, it, it, I think that this might help. Um, sometimes I don't know an answer to something and I'll, I'll just give my thoughts and opinions on it. And that can really help clarify things in people's minds. And I've seen people's businesses start taking off because of me giving advice that I know that I should follow on my own that I'm not at the moment. Um, so, so I think that no matter where you are, you have the ability to give advice. And I think that you shouldn't be afraid to ask for advice when you need help um, from a community or from an individual. And, and that's my rant. <laughs> and I would, to, for my most important thing that I've learned that I wish I knew at the beginning and probably wish I knew all the way up until maybe just like six months ago is just <laughs> to remember that you're not going to please everyone. And I know oh, yeah. I've said that a million times a million times on the show about clients in particular, but when we're talking about education and and what Connor and I do, you know, for for improved photography and portrait session, you have to remember that you're not going to please everyone. And I, you know, there uh, Connor and I have talked about this so much. Nick and I used to talk about this all the time about how upset we would get when somebody would give us some sort of negative feedback or or whatever so i remember one time somebody emailed me directly and said you say um too much on the show you need to go take uh what's it called speech classes or whatever professional speaking classes yeah and i yeah something like that and and i was like what oh my gosh you know i was just like devastated but then i realized Maybe I do say um, I don't really care if I do say um, because what I care about is that I'm sharing knowledge with people and helping people to better themselves and better their photography and better their businesses and in turn probably better their lives. So if somebody has a problem with me saying um too much, that's their problem and it should not be my problem. So I always kind of have to remind myself that I'm not going to please everyone, but as long as I'm pleasing the majority and helping people um, and kind of giving back to the community that I love so much, which is the photography community, then that's all that I am worried about. (laughs) Definitely so. I I, I think that being in this position has definitely um, thickened my skin a lot, both in teaching, in working with clients. And I mean, one of the most terrifying things being in this position is that when I post something in the Facebook group, people notice it a lot more than right. they used to. Yeah. And and I you know, I used to might get one or two comments that were like, Good job, where now I'll get the occasional person that like really tries to pick things apart or tell me <laughs> yeah. exactly how something's wrong. And I'm like, Well, oh, actually that was really helpful. Uh, yeah. I could have been nicer about it. But it, it, at the same time I know, you know what, one way or the other, it's just another person's opinion. And there are times when I'll get critiques in something that I do and I s- sometimes I'll say, Yeah, you're absolutely right. I should work on changing that. Other times I'll say, Yeah, you're right, but too bad that's the way I do things and then other times I just go you don't even know what you're talking about stop it um so yeah that's I would agree with that that being just being out there in general is um a really good thing and no matter what it will help you to develop a thicker skin absolutely which is which is good (laughs) yeah yeah I, I definitely could 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 have used a thicker skin I think I'm I'm pretty thick now I don't care yeah. anymore. 
All right, Same. guys, these were some awesome questions. Uh, thank you so much for, for sending in those questions and participating. We hope that you guys learned a little bit from this. And, and I'm going to go back into the group and try to answer some of those questions on the post itself that I didn't get a chance, that, that Connor and I didn't get a chance to talk about in Ditto. the show. All right, guys, thank you so much. And we'll talk to you guys next month. Views expressed on this program by independent host guests and callers do not necessarily reflect their views of improved photography LLC or its advertisers. Some links mentioned on this program are affiliate links where a commission is earned.